Welcome back to the Champion Mindset Collective Podcast, the place where we ignite your passion, turbocharge your success, and transform your thinking. I'm your host, Anthony Dyer, and I'm so grateful that you're here listening to those podcasts and would love for you to share this episode with your friends and family and workmates. If you haven't already done so, please follow this podcast so we can so you don't miss any of the future episodes and so that we can get this podcast out to the wider community. Today, it's my absolute pleasure and privilege to welcome you all to this podcast interview. Today's special guest is talking about managing emotions for professional success. Today's guest has spent a decade as a leader, a business owner and a manager. She's deeply passionate about fostering a safe and healthy workplace where employees and leaders can thrive. She believes in the power of building long-term sustained positive behavior changes, one, one step at a time that helps workplaces become peaceful, positive, and productive. Her Peace Under Pressure program provides a highly interactive, engaging, and practical approach to coping with pressure at work. Let's welcome the wonderful Carly Nicholson. Welcome, Carly. Welcome. Thank you, Anthony. What a, what a wonderful introduction. You're welcome. So um, uh, tell us a little bit about um, yourself, about where you've come from, what your background is, and what really got you into doing what, what you're doing now, because it sounds amazing. Oh, thank you for asking. I've probably spent about the last 20 years or so working with business owners in a variety of roles. Um, I love working with business owners and business leaders. And then for about the last, for about seven years, I was the general manager of uh, an IT company. And it was there I saw firsthand what pressure can do to people when they're, it's almost like being in a pressure cooker environment where people are mm. under the pump. Uh, they've got demands on them they've got high priorities they've got pressure at home they've got pressure at work and then seeing the real impact that that has on people and that was really a catalyst for me to go actually my my passion first and foremost is helping people thrive helping people cope better and also it set me on a journey to explore how do we create peaceful positive productive workplaces because we spend so much time at work surely mm. we want it to be a place where people thrive where they feel fulfilled so that they go home as the best version of themselves go home to their family go home to their friends go home to their community still with energy still as the best version of themselves so that's that's what I'm on a mission to do that's that's amazing. You know, it, uh, I spent about twenty five to thirty years in corporate and um, in various different organisations, and uh, absolutely, I felt exactly what you just described. It's such a common thing in workplaces, and um, there needs to be more empathy and, and vulnerability and more um, more openness and authenticity in, in, in organisations. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think it's a old school way of thinking. If we look at people being machines or robots or cogs in a machine, that you're right. It's all about the people side of things. That the human element in treating people is is perfectly human. What you're doing is amazing because I think this is what, what needs to go into every single organization within New Zealand and even, you know, worldwide um, to create a better, cultivate a better an environment um, and a culture for people to thrive rather than, um, you know, feel like they're sort of, like you said, a robot or, or a machine, you know, absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. 
So uh, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, um, what are some of the common emotional challenges that people face in the workplace and how can they overcome them? Oh, and that's a really big question, Anthony. If I come back to the point that people are essentially under pressure, in fact, with all the teams and organisations I'm working with right throughout New Zealand, I actually haven't come across any team that's not under pressure. Um, So if anyone listening to this um, isn't a team where they're not under pressure, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what your secret is. Uh, But effectively, uh, pressure is a culture killer, right? And if people can't cope, they can't perform. And some of the common challenges that people are facing in the workplace, which is driving their emotional reactions, are things like being constantly connected to technology. They're unable to switch off. Uh, So they've got these blurred boundaries now where it's not about working from home, it's about working at home, uh, constantly in contact. Uh, So that's one part. Another part that's coming through in some of the research is about how people are back in the office and still, well, they've been told they have to be back in the office and they're exploring what does this hybrid working environment look like for me and where do I have some control and autonomy over that because no one likes being told what to do, do they? Uh, Businesses are trying to do more than with less. It's still a tough, tough time out there. Many businesses are struggling, so their people are being told to do more with less. And there's still uncertainty in a number Mm. of jobs and a number of industries. And essentially, we want to be able to bring our whole selves to work. Uh, And that's really hard when we've got conflicting demands, conflicting priorities. Just to throw in there an interesting statistic, too, that we're also dealing with increased cost of living. So 7.4% over the last year, uh, it's, it's hard to show up as the best version of yourself at work when you've got all of these things going on. Um, so it's no wonder people are tired and keeping a brave face on. So all these, there's this whole swirl of things around us that are driving our emotions, which drive our behavior in the workplace. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, we saw that over COVID where people uh, were forced into working from home. And for some people it was, like for me, it was okay. I, I embraced it, but for a lot of people, they didn't. They weren't used to it, and they were missing the people contact. and And a lot of people felt sort of alienated. They were like by themselves, um, and then trying to also look after your family and and kids who were at home. I mean, that would have been a stressful and, and time as well. I mean, I remember having to book time in my calendar for my daughter so that I could I could spend time with her. Um, rather than just her watching TV the whole day while I was on meetings. Um, and then then to be dragged back into the office and saying, you have to come back. And, and you know, um, and for a lot of people, things had changed because things weren't the same anymore. Um, the normal wasn't the, the normal. It was a different normal. And so, um, you know, how, navigating all that whole that whole new way of living uh, and working, um, I think businesses um, need to be more... Uh, I think uh, they should be more aware of each individual's needs and be able to help. Um, often it's like school, right? You know, um, we treat people like uh, like a curriculum that you have and it's like everyone does the same thing. And But people are people and they all have different needs and emotions and, and setting healthy boundaries is important as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. If I can throw a fun fact in there, because I've been looking at the latest state of workplace 
burnout report, which is uh, research based on uh, over 2,000 participants. And what's come out of that is that nearly half of the participants said, oh no, hold on, let me get the right statistic there. People in a hybrid environment working two to three days at home experienced the lowest rates of burnout. So it's about finding um, a hybrid approach where it balances people's needs for flexibility and autonomy and connectivity mm. and, and, and face um, face-to-face interaction so roughly two to three weeks through two to three days a week at home apparently yeah. is a really good sweet spot but it depends of course on the nature of work and and where people actually uh, focus better and get their best get their best work done too it's a bit of a balance yeah yeah I guess I guess when you're when you're at home you can get certain things done while you're working you know in your home and kids and so on it means it takes the pressure off because I mean, imagine what it's like when you're five days a week in, in the office and then you go, and then you're, you're worrying about what, what what am I going to I've got to do this I've got to do that um, and they say like 98 percent of the things that we worry about actually never happen anyway but um, but you know people still have worry and then anxiety and and it doesn't really help people in the workplace very good question, but also a very good response. Thank you very much. If I could just add to that too, I was with working with the team last week. It was fascinating when I said, what's your biggest waste of time and energy? And it was unanimous. They all said sitting in traffic. So it's not so much about being in the office so much as it's also what comes around that if you're working in the office. For those who have to commute, it adds an extra layer of stress uh, and it drains time and energy. So it's, again, something to consider. Absolutely. I, I was at Toastmasters last night and I was talking to a guy who works in Devonport and lives up here on the coast. And he says it takes him forever to get to work and back. Um, and Devonport's not the easiest place to get in and out of. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine for different people what, what the what the challenges are. And some people work like miles away from home, you know, like and uh, some like in um like people work living in on the sh- shore or this side of working in like Manukau and stuff imagine how long that takes mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely okay so could you give us an, a, a simple and practical tip of uh staying calm under pressure absolutely so my one of my favorite tips I've got heaps of tips uh but my favorite one is actually stop so if you think about s-t-o-p if if I had a big stop sign right now I'd hold it up and it's a reminder to stop yourself reacting and instead respond with intention and so if you think of a stop sign the s stands for stop so if we've we recognize first of all we're under pressure we need to stop before we say or do anything we might later regret and that's really important I've seen what happens to even the best of business leaders where they just snap and say or do things that aren't so pretty so stop Mm. then the t and stop stands for take a moment or take a breath or take a break because what we want to do again is give ourselves that beautiful pause between the stimulus and the response so that we can respond with intention. So take a breath, take a pause, take a moment, and that gives you a chance to to try and release that stress response, reduce the stress response. It's amazing how much calmer we can be 
we go and get a glass Absolutely. of water, go so, for a walk. Um, yeah. Or even for me, I'll go, I'm just going to leave the room for a moment. I'll be back. Uh, yeah. And then we use the O and stop for observe. What's going on around here? Try and get the bigger picture. Because often when we're under pressure, we zoom in on something. So the O is actually a, a chance to zoom out and go, what's actually going on here? Mm. Is there a better way that I could deal with this? And, and give yourself a bit of breathing space to consider what you want to do next. And then only when you're ready, you have the P and stop for press play and re-engage. And look, that whole process could be as simple as 10 seconds. It could mm. be... A couple of minutes, it could be a couple of hours, depending on how well you and on what you need in the moment. Uh, I've tested this myself as a parent, where I'm sure all parents can relate to being under a bit of pressure by your kids at some point or another. And I use this. I'll stop, take a moment, observe what's going on, and then press play. So that's my favorite tip. And it's one that's quite easy to remember as well. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to use that myself. Um, <laughs> um, in, in my coaching uh, world, uh, we have a modality, we call it pause, pause, lead. Um, and it's kind of similar to that, where you pause, and you pause again, and then you lead. And the power of the pause is so, so um, powerful. You know, when you pause, you give, you, you, you're actually giving space. You're giving the other person some time to think um and often in and even in business you know and like often we just like you said we're just reacting to things rather than actually pausing and going okay what's going on here let's observe what's going on and and rather than reacting let's respond in a manner that it's gonna you know be beneficial to both parties and <clears throat> and i think that's where the empathy comes in and and being able to be vulnerable as well when you when you know that things aren't going right and be able to say, say it. And uh, yesterday I was listening to a podcast with Jay Shetty and Dr. Gabo Mate, and he was talking about how um, coming from a place of authenticity is the key to to really, you know, connecting with people. And so so I'd encourage everyone to, to be your authentic self um, and, you know, be you if you... If you feel something, say it, and and of course, pause and use the stop method because it's going to be beneficial to you. Thank you, Carly, for sharing that. Okay, how do you approach creating a long-term positive behaviour change um, within a team or an organisation? And look, I love mm. this because this is exactly what I'm. I've been researching. I've been learning. I've been green rather frustrated with all these short-term quick fix interventions and in organizations you know we'll bring in a guest speaker we'll bring in a workshop and people will change and it'll be great but essentially we need to understand first of all as humans we are hardwired to resist change right our brain loves an equilibrium it loves our comfort zone so the and the idea of change comes with a natural threat response Mm. And it can lead people to operate from a place of fear or resistance or, or anger. So mm. with the approach that I take, it's all about, first of all, helping people understand the need for change and what the future could look like. So it's actually spending more time up front, getting people to 
create that idea for themselves. Again, no one likes being told what to do. So getting people to understand the need for change. The next mm. step is then to plan for change. So giving people the support they need, the information, the tools, the resources they need to take positive action. And only then do you start to make to actually make the change happen. And that's mm. uh, a fully interactive experience. Uh, this is what I've created, where your people actually learn together. They start taking small steps forward in a sustainable way. It's not big leaps. It's small bite-sized steps because in some ways we're actually rewiring the brain in a good way, in a positive way, right? And reinforcing those changes. Uh, so then the next step is to maintain those positive changes. And that's with feedback, with helping people assess their own progress, uh, with peer support is really, really important mm. too. And then it's about uh, embedding the new normal. So looking at uh, how we want to integrate the new behaviors into the workplace, celebrating success and progress. And it doesn't stop there, right? That's normally where people go, oh, cool, we've done, tick the box. But we need to look at how do we stop ourselves from defaulting back to our norms and our old habits and our old ways of thinking. So it's about reinforcing the positive changes, setting people up for success. And that could be through troubleshooting, through adjusting goals, uh, through recommitting to mm. our action plans and intentions and actually even putting plans in place to prevent a relapse because if it gets too hard people will just give up and, and go back to their norms so creating long-term positive and pro-social behaviors in the workplace isn't a quick fix it takes patience it takes commitment that is, you can probably imagine the benefits are huge. And imagine the impact this has uh, not only on individuals, but on teams, on organizations. And when you have people who are creating and embedding positive behaviors in the workplace, that's my approach. That, that's a great approach. Um, and, uh, you know, if we don't change, then nothing will change. And uh, it's uh, it's important that uh, we are constantly evolving um, in our in our daily personal lives and our work lives, and uh, you know I I like to think about like who what does my best future self look like and how do I step into that future reality in the present moment, um, and I, I would like to encourage everyone to be to stay present in the present moment and um, because in, that's all we ever had is the present moment, um, and but set the intention for what your identity is for, for the future and step into that identity. And that will just, when you try that on like a new suit or something, you'll feel better. And, and what you'll do is that um, you'll, uh, you'll shift into that identity and, um, and become the person that you want to become because what you focus on is what you become. So thank you, Carly, for sharing that. Thank you. All right. What advice would you give someone who struggles to manage their emotions in a professional setting? Well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that our emotions determine the dynamics of how we interact with, with people, how we deal with failure, how we handle challenges, how we spend our time. So our emotions drive so much of our behavior. And so we can't simply ignore or suppress or numb our emotions. 
they don't go away yet the reality is that that's what many of us tend to do whether we realize it or not uh, many people of I was going to say our generation weren't told how to manage our emotions and I hear a lot about people even um, men or different cultures have been told you put a brave face on you just get on with it we don't want emotions here and that's not healthy and it's not sustainable and in fact, yeah. if we numb or suppress or ignore our emotions, the evidence is really, really strong that it causes us to uh, say and do things that we may later regret. We end up with some really unhealthy behaviors, which mm. aren't ideal. So this is where my passion is actually learning how to regulate emotions and work with them. So first of all, we actually need to acknowledge our emotions. We need to understand what am I feeling and why might I be feeling this way? So I'll give you an example. If I'm in a, a workplace or another professional setting and I might feel myself getting a little bit frustrated or tense, it's about actually stopping and checking in with myself first and try to explore what am I feeling and that can be as simple as even just checking in with your body and thinking gosh is it in my shoulders is it in my stomach um, is it in my legs is it in my back where, where do I feel like what does it feel like is it hot is it cold and that probably sounds a bit funny but when we lean into that that gives us more information is it that I'm feeling fear am I feeling anger do I want to run away from this do I feel like I want to fight and then putting a name on that emotion helps to loosen the hold it has on us so if I can help if I can find the right word to describe that emotion what it does is it actually connects the part of our brain the back part of our brain that drives the emotions with the front part of our brain that does the thinking effectively and uh, because those two are separate parts of the brain so connecting the the automatic part of the brain with the rational and logical part of the brain and then we've got a better chance to make sense of what we're feeling so coming back to my example if I might be feeling frustrated at work that's very different to feeling disappointed or irritated or insecure or what else I might be feeling depending on what's going on and then from there I can better understand why why might I actually be feeling this way and here's a clue it's usually a reflection of our values and where there might be a misalignment with our values so understanding that gap gives us the power to choose how we can close that gap and respond in an intentional way and mm. there's no shortcut to this. It's practice, practice, practice. So regulating your emotions is a lot like building a muscle. You need to flex it regularly in order to strengthen it. So if you want to get better at managing your emotions and understanding them, I'd suggest check in with yourself. Just learn to feel what's going on. Why might I be feeling that way? And, and be honest with yourself because that'll help you understand what drives your behavior. And then you get far better control. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, and I can firsthand uh, vouch for this because uh, last year I went through the core of my childhood trauma and for three weeks I had to really sit uh, with my emotions and, and regulate through them um, to the point and get some help from a coach. Um, I had the awareness, which was a great thing. Um, and as Dr. Joe Dispenza says um, that, you know, when your, when your thoughts were to your your language of your mind and your emotions, which is the language of your body, when they connect together, when they wire and fire together, then you create neural, neural pathways in your 
prefrontal cortex, which then, which is your front part of your brain, which is what Carly said, that's where you do your thinking, um, that allows you to create new pathways that will help you, um, you know, change the way and rewrite how things, what we've said about ourselves. The other thing is, um, uh, yeah, and what you were saying before was that the amygdala is the, is the one that protects us. And then what we end up doing is we're coming from, because the prefrontal cortex shuts down, and then all we're doing is coming from fear and emotions. Mm-hmm. And once we once we learn to turn on the the logical brain, then that's that's when you can start making better decisions um, and more meaningful decisions rather than being in that state of like emotions. And a lot of people, like you said, people from our generation who've been told, don't cry, don't do this, mm-hmm. you know, we we don't show emotions and it then ends up impacting us in the in a negative way at work and at home so um would really encourage you if you're watching this listening to this that um you know if you're feeling something feel it because when you when you're in your head you're dead when you feel it you heal it nice yeah all right um can you share an example of how a small change and behavior can lead to significant improvements in workplace atmosphere. Oh, I could give you plenty of examples, Anthony. Uh, we'll have to of... bring you back for some more um, episodes to, to <laughs> go sure. deeper. I love that. One of the most frequent conversations I'm having with people leaders is actually around communication, and especially when people are under pressure. It's so easy to become aggressive when we feel stressed, but we could also For some people, they become passive if they're avoiding conflict. Uh, Some people might become passive aggressive, which is when we indirectly express our negative feelings. And all all three of those communication behaviors are unhelpful, right? They're the biggest cause of frustration for so many people in the workplace. So what we really need to do is learn how to be assertive, which is about expressing your point of view in a way that's clear and direct, but still respecting others. And every team I've worked with, every organization I've worked with, this is usually the number one goal. People want their coworkers and their leaders and managers to be assertive, be direct, be clear, be kind. And So not aggressive, no fluffy passive behavior or vague behavior, and certainly not passive aggressive. So simply learning the skill of being more assertive with your communication can have a massive impact on your relationship with others. And you can imagine the impact that has on the atmosphere in the workplace. If we can simply learn to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more clear and a little bit more kind, build our assertive behavior that can have a massive difference absolutely and and that all comes back down to the authenticity right because when you're authentic you can be assertive and you can set boundaries Um, remember your self-esteem is made up of your needs your emotions and your boundaries and um you know if you're if you're not looking after your needs if you're not looking after your emotions and you're not setting healthy boundaries then then that's going to impact you so um you know be authentic and look after your self-esteem and be assertive and say no if you if you have to say no within within in a nice way that you can you know people are not going to get uh, upset or anything like that always with Alrighty. kindness always absolutely with kindness. kindness and empathy and so on so all right we're at the uh part of the uh 
episode now where we have five quick fire questions and um you know do the best you can um so so first question is how do you define success and has that definition changed over time oh i think my understanding of success has evolved over time will continue to evolve over time uh, with life experience and at the moment for me it's actually success is about the quality of my life and finding things that make life rich and meaningful maybe I'm becoming older and wiser who knows and so the quote that I love at the moment which is my definition of success is success is not defined by perfection but by how we handle challenges and strive to grow as individuals. Absolutely. How we evolve into the person that we want to become, right? Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Who has been your greatest uh, inspiration and why? I'd love to say it's my kids. They continue to inspire me, inspire me every single day. Uh, I've also come across and met someone recently. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Dr. Edith Eager. And if you haven't heard of her, she's a survivor of the Holocaust. She's a renowned psychologist. And she inspires me because she's used her trauma and her life experience to have a massive impact on the lives of others. Uh, a mm. couple of fun facts. She wrote her first book at the age of 90, and she's now 96 and still wow. going strong with her teaching. Uh, and I love how she brings her strengths and expertise to the world so others can live more meaningful lives. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm going to look, look her up. And um, I think Dr. Gabo Marte has come from the same background. Um, yep. He was in part of the Holocaust as well. Yeah. All right. Um, what is something that you believe uh, that others will disagree with? Oh, very controversial. Uh, this is an interesting one. For me, I believe that regular breaks throughout the day are super important for recharging ourselves. Again, we're not machines or robots. We're batteries. We need to be recharged regularly. And I see people every day give them full selves to work, but they're completely spent when they get home. And I've had people tell me they're so exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, that they're too tired to be a good partner or a parent or a friend or do any of their hobbies. They're just spent and they can't even decide what to have for dinner. Uh, and so I'm a massive fan of taking micro breaks throughout the day, which sounds great in theory, but I know a lot of people just go, I can't, it's, I'm too, it's too hard, I'm too busy. So this is why it's a bit controversial. But the research shows that even a, a, you know, a couple of minutes, every hour or two, that's simple, to refresh and recharge makes a massive difference. I argue if you've got time to go to the toilet, you've got time to take a micro break, right? And so people might disagree with this, but I've encouraged a few people, a few of my coaching clients to just try and take two minute micro breaks uh, throughout the day. And they've just told me what a massive difference it has made to their energy levels, to their creativity. Uh, it's It's been quite impactful and they come home from work with more energy, more positivity and a better version of themselves. So you might like the idea but until you try it and actually feel it and experience it for yourself you might be pleasantly surprised at the difference micro breaks can take absolutely 100 agree with you um a good technique to use if you're if you're not familiar with it is called the pomodoro technique um it's 20 25 minutes of work and then five minute break stay off your phone 
and really just focus on breathing and yourself and then get back into it. And yeah, I was talking to a guy yesterday at Toastmasters uh, and I said, have you tried the Pomodoro technique? He goes, oh, it doesn't work for me. So I'm like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a game changer for me. I'm a massive fan of it. But as you said, Anthony, the key there is when the alarm goes off, you need to take that five-minute break or 10-minute break and do the opposite of what you've been doing. So ideally, you know, if you're working from home, just step outside for a couple of minutes, get some fresh air, leave your phone behind, get a glass of water, make a cup of tea, phone a friend. Um, And again, people don't, I think people underestimate just the power that that can have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All righty, two more questions to go. So if you could go back and give your younger self well, you're still you're still quite young. Ah. Your younger self, one piece of advice, what would it be? Just one, just one piece of advice. Oh, this piece of advice I'd love to give myself, my younger self, is to surround myself with the right people earlier on and find my tribe. And because the people you surround yourself with are the ones who have the greatest impact on you. So choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends very, very wisely because you really want to be with the people who bring out the best in you, the people who lift you up and who help you shine as your best self. And I'm I'm living that at the moment. And it's awesome. it's so powerful. But it's one yeah. thing I'd I'd love to had known or tried when I was much younger. Yeah. Likewise, I'm living my dream life um, at the moment. What is one message that you would like to share with the world? be kind it sounds simple but you don't know what's going on for other people we're all dealing with our own stuff our own pressures our own challenges and again I see people so many people who are like ducks they're cool and calm on the surface yep I'm fine yep I'm good and they in reality they're actually paddling like crazy underneath the surface And so I would love to think that we could all spread a bit more kindness wherever we Mm. are, um, wherever we can, because you never know how much of an impact that a small act of kindness could have on another person. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's come back to me. Thank you for sharing that. It's come back to me. Um, Your time is a currency. And your time is, is once it's once it's gone, you don't get it back. So as you were saying, spend it with pe- with pe- really good people. Make sure that you're investing your time into the right people who are going to return the investment back. So when you invest into other people, make sure that they're investing back into you as well. Um, well, that's all we've got to, for today. Thank you, Carly, for joining us. And I think we'll get, definitely get you back for, for another in, uh, episode to to share some more of the gold and the gems that you have um, in your in your toolbox. Um, and uh, we really appreciate your time today. Yeah, so that's all we have, me. folks. Thank you. That's all we have, folks, today. And if you love this episode, please share this episode on social media. Tag me in. Um, find Carly. Tag her in. And we'd love to read your comments and interact with you, with the listeners. Click the link uh, in the description if you'd like to join the Champion Mindset Collective Facebook group. It's a free group, and and I'm currently running a free challenge in there called the Mindset Mastery. It's a four-week challenge, evergreen, which means you can jump in anytime, and really gives you 
the objective of this um, challenge is to give you the ability to um, discover where you are in your life and where you want to be and really be aware of of what's happening for you in your life. Remember, what life happens for us, not to us, and it, we have the opportunity to take that and move it forward. So, as Carly said, if not, you know, when uh, change is important, and if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. You'll still be where you are in five years' time. So. Lastly, don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family and let's spread the positivity and, and the empowerment together. Champion your life and champion your greatness. Thank you and have an amazing day. Mm-hmm.